Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from our studios in Central Florida. Good to have you with us this morning. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. Raven's actually an acronym for Restoring a Vision and Evangelizing Nations. We believe that the Word of God teaches us to take the vision, write it down, make it plain, that those that read it can run with it. And that vision is really quite simple. It's pointing people uh, to God through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that the Word tells us that there's no other name under heaven wherein a man can be saved. But in the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we endeavor to, in our in our teaching of the Word of God, in this Raven Institute, to provide really an, uh, an expository teaching and to provide the, the, the foundational groundwork for anyone that would desire a relationship with Jesus. You know, the Word tells us that His people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And that lack of knowledge comes from really not having a, a dependence and a hunger and thirst after the Word of God. And so we want to do everything we can to offer uh, these classes, both live and uh, recorded in an MP3 format on the Internet, uh, for you to be able to use kind of as a... Uh, as an addition to your personal Bible studies. Hopefully it becomes a catalyst and a, uh, a spark to get you in the Word of God. And speaking of that, we are doing this expository teaching on the book of Romans. And today is our 190th class, our 190th hour in the book of Romans. If you've not been with us in the past, never fear. We have those all, every one of them, up to class 189 and other uh, recent teachings available on our website right there on the screen. You can see it, www.biggrace.com. Click on Raven Institute. It'll take you to a proprietary page where you can actually take and listen to those classes right there on an embedded, looks like a little uh, iPod on the screen or an MP3 player. And you can take that or you can download those onto your computer as well. And so we thank you so much for joining us. I encourage you to get those things. Those are all free of charge. There is no, uh, what do you call it, copyright on those. We've been uh, freely received and we freely give. And we would love for you to uh, be a part of our class on a daily basis. But if you can't, uh, be sure you can go and, and click those things. You can take them and put them in your MP3 player, or burn them onto a CD-ROM and listen to them while you're traveling back and forth to work or, or elsewhere. And I think that you'll be able to find that there's some, some good stuff in those. You know, 190 hours, Deb, you'd think that be able to glean a little something out of that. I know through this whole process that I have. So we're in the 15th chapter of the book of Romans, 16 chapters totally, obviously. So we're, we're coming to a... Uh, Coming to the end of it in, in relationship to all of it, by no means are we at the end because we, there's still a lot of ground to cover in the book of Romans. But we are rapidly coming to a uh, to the to, to, to the end of this continuation in our studies in the Word of God. Kind of drop a bug in here. We're not going to be doing a book-by-book book, uh, teaching through the summer months. But this coming fall, we're going to start another class just in this type of format. And we're going to be teaching on the book of the Revelation. And so if you've ever had a desire to know about the Revelation, which you know I call it the unveiling of Jesus, because that's what you're going to find in those books. And so uh, this coming fall, we're going to have a, a class that will probably stretch out about as long as this one, I'm sure, just strictly on the book of Revelation. So I'd like for you to, to come and, and be a part of that as well, and we'll have it available too on our website as those classes come available. So just a little bit of information. Also, if you're listening to us live, we're here today, uh, tomorrow, and Wednesday. And we will not be in studio on Thursday, Friday, or next Monday. And the reason being for that is because we've, we're taking a team of about, about 40 folks into New York City, the Big Apple. And we're going to be witnessing and ministering on the streets of the, the, the city of New York. And some of you guys, obviously, that are, that are on with us today are going to be a part of that, uh, that outreach in New York City. So don't look for us on Thursday, Friday, or Monday and because we'll be out uh, actually being doers of the word and not just hearers only in accordance with uh, James chapter 1. So once again, thank you for joining us. If you have questions, comments about the classes that we teach here live or, or, or any of those that are, you are able to download, don't hesitate to email me at raven at biggrace.com. You'll see it right there on the screen, R-A-V-E-N at B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E dot com. And uh, just to put attention, Pastor Troy, I'll be glad to answer any questions, not just about our Romans teaching, but you have something that you've been reading in the Scripture and you'd just like someone else to chime in and kind of give their two cents worth. Uh, I've always got two cents worth to give you, so uh, don't hesitate to do that. Or if you need prayer, you can send your prayer request to pray, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com as well. We'll lift those prayer requests up before the Lord in prayer. So let's speak of prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just ask for His blessing and direction on this morning's class, and we'll pray for those that have been sick in their body and just believe in God for a touch from them. So if you have prayer requests this morning, when you're listening to us live, you can flash those on the screen, and we'll just include those as we're all praying together this morning. Father, we just thank you for this day. 
once again that you've made. And we've come, Lord God, to, to allow our lives to rejoice and to genuinely be glad in it. Father, I thank you today that you're the glory and the lifter of my head. I thank you that you are my, my hope and you are my consolation, Lord God. You are that rest, Lord God, that we have, Lord God, in our relationship with God. And Father, we thank you today that we can come to you, Lord God, and seek, Lord God, your counsel. Lord God, that's what we're doing is we open up your word. We're seeking, Lord God, not the, not the counsel or the opinions or the teachings of men. Lord God, but we're teaching, Lord God, we're coming, we're looking for the teaching of the Holy Spirit in our life because you said that he would lead and guide us into all truth. And Lord God, that's our desire today. We don't want there to be any, any shadow of turning, Lord God, anything that we teach today or anything that we receive through the teaching, Lord God. We want it to be, Lord God, God breathed. We want it to be the, 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 the revealed word of God. We want it to become rhema, this logos to become rhema to us, Lord God, that we might take it into our life and apply it, Lord God, and be built up and strengthened, Lord God, in our faith through it. Because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And without it, no one can please God. So, Lord God, we know that our, our faith is only going to be strengthened and built up as we study the Word of God. And that that faith is what is going to be pleasing to you. Because the Word says that one day the Son of Man will return. And will He find faith on the earth? And we want to be found faithful or full of faith. Because we've taken and we've studied your Word, Lord God, to show ourselves approved unto God, who's a, a workman who need not be ashamed. And so today I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, that have gathered here. And those that are going to be listening, Lord God, uh, in, in a later date. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, for you just to, to give us a clarity and understanding, Lord God, as the, the, the principles, Lord God, and the power of your word, Lord God, is, is brought forth to us. Father, I just ask for a prayer for myself, Lord Jesus, that you'd give me the ability, Lord God, to, 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 to speak, Lord God, in, in a way that people can hear and understand and be able to, to, to derive, Lord God, your truth, Lord God, through, through, through my rudimentary speech, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that, that you would be able to, 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 to discern, Lord God, and uh, I mean, people would be able to discern your truth, Lord God, and your holiness and your power, Lord God, through the limitations of, of my ability in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for those that have been sick in body, Lord God, those that have been struggling, Lord God, with infirmities. And we thank you, Lord God, that this word came, Lord God, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, came and, and he bore, Lord God, our sicknesses and our sorrow, Lord God, upon his body. And today, Lord God, we can be healed, Lord God, because of those stripes laid upon him. And so, Father, I pray for those that have been sick and afflicted in the name of Jesus. Whether they're uh, uh, sick and afflicted, Lord God, with something physical, Lord God, or they're sick and afflicted, Lord God, because they're, they're, they're sick spiritually. Father, we pray for them right now and pray the power of the blood of Jesus upon them, Lord God. Father, those that have been discouraged, Lord God, I pray for encouragement, Lord God. Father, those, Lord God, that just feel like, Lord God, when's it going to come? What's going to happen? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would just cause a joy unspeakable and full of glory to come upon your people, Lord God. That as fathers, people find their rest robbed by the headlines, Lord God. As they find their, their rest robbed by economic downturns, Lord God, and political turmoil, Lord God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would not try to rest in those things, but we would rest in the assurance of your word, Lord God. Knowing, Lord God, that it is our resting place, Lord God. It is that place that we can ascend to, Lord God, as a strong tower. And we just pray in the name of Jesus for that. We find rest towards our healing, rest towards our restoration, rest towards our understanding, Lord God, rest in our provision. That Father, we would rest in you, Lord God, because you are not a man that you should lie or the son of a man that you should repent. And the word says that I've never seen the, the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Now, I thank you, Lord God, that, that not only, Lord God, is deliverance and healing and provision and salvation, all those things, Lord God, are the bread for the children. And I thank you, Lord God, that there is bread in the oven, Lord God, this morning because of who Jesus Christ is, that he rose from the dead and he now sits on the right hand of power. So come and fill us up, Lord God. Anoint this time of teaching and fellowship, Lord God, in your word as we break bread. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Once again, thank you guys so much for joining us. you just slipping in. Uh, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And we're doing our continuing our expository teaching on the book of Romans. So because you have your Bible, not if you have your Bibles, you know, coming to a Bible study without a Bible is kind of like going to a gunfight without a gun. You know, you better come armed and dangerous and ready to fire off a few rounds. And so take your Bible and open up right there to the 15th chapter of the book of Romans as I grab myself a nice sip of this coffee that we cooked up this morning. It's very good. All right, folks, <clears throat> listen, we continue to pray for, for Donna's mother this, as she's having heart surgery this morning. I believe God's hand would be upon the surgeons. And more importantly, that God will go in there and just do a work. And they'll, what they'll find is not 
comparative to what they thought they were going to find in the name of Jesus. So verses 1 through 7, folks, really we talked about that. Really they served as kind of the continuation of uh, what started in Romans 14, 7 concerning how we should deal with one another um, within the body of Christ and especially how to deal with those who are weak or immature in the faith. And so we, we studied about that and about those that are, are, are drinking the milk rather than the meat. But that's a process that God's bringing them through. In verses 8 and 9, we, we brought them back to really, to, we're brought back to the remembrance of the fact that the Gentiles were given that covenant responsibility to carry the message back to the Gentiles. The, the Jews were given that responsibility to take that message of the gospel to the Gentiles under the old covenant. But obviously we know that they failed in their responsibility. And that really became a benefit to, quote-unquote, the nations or the Gentiles as a result of their failure. And, you know, we talked about that in length in some of those classes. I'm not sure what the numbers are on that. But how literally God had called the Gentiles out as a this kind of the special forces. And he had given them this criteria and trained them. And some of the things he brought them under was really like a somebody joining the military. You know, you can join the, the military and just join kind of the, the, the regular army. And, and that's good. You're, you're going to fight. And you're going to be in, in battles. But then you, what you can do, you get into special forces. And the special forces, whether it's SEALs or Army Rangers or whether it's Green Berets, now we're taking it to a whole other level. We're not talking about just being danger. We're talking about things that under the, the natural core of the, the regular Army or Marines or whatever it be, it's just above, really above and beyond the call of duty. I mean, they're putting risking life and limb on nearly every assignment. They're, a lot of times they're the first ones in and the last ones out. And that was the assignment that was given to the Jews. They were given that, that, that special forces assignment. And when they rejected Messiah, obviously they failed in that. So what it does, it, it brings us, and, and I rejoice that they did fail in that. You know, you may think, why, did they, why is that? Because I, I've said here's the product of their, I, I'm, I'm the product of their failure, but the blood of Jesus is success. Praise God for that. And so then we get verses 10 and 11. And it really, Paul, uh, really kind of echoes just what I said. He talks about where they were and what they did and how they failed. Then all of a sudden, he takes us here to 15, 10, 11. And he says, and again, he says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him, all you people. And actually, verse 10 there, you can put that in your notes, is actually derived from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. Verse 10 actually is derived from... Deuteronomy 32 through 43. Now this, guys, I, if, I don't want you, if anything on, on today's teaching in regards to what we're talking about, don't miss this because this is so important. And not only was, do we see the applicability there in what happened with the, with the, with the Jews and their failure and it opened up the door and now, the, now we as Gentile believers get to praise Him. But what, I, I hope it just shows you something that you really obviously need to think about. And when I say it's derived from Deuteronomy 32, 43, here's what it says verbatim. Rejoice, O ye nations, Gentiles. In the Old Covenant, we talked about nations. It talked about the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. That's what he said. Right? For he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Now, I want you to look at when he says that, and, and Paul the Apostle pulls that out and extracts it right there from Deuteronomy chapter 32. But now I want you to look at the deeper context of where that's from. The, the good news about the Word is the Word is always in context. Okay, Can we say that again? The Word of God is always in context. And so if Jesus is, is, is quoting, as he often did in the Old Testament, it's written, you know what, he's, he's going to be in context because he knows the totality of it. He's not limited in scope. Paul the Apostle, obviously, you know his credentials, uh, Pharisee of Pharisees, studied at the feet of Gamil. I mean, the guy knew his stuff, so to speak. And so when he brought that out and said, and again, he, he says, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. He knew that the audience that he was was a very learned audience as well. That he couldn't just pull those things out and just expect it to fly. And people are not saying, okay, you're, you're utilizing that quotation from Deuteronomy. Why are you utilizing that? And I'm, I'm fixing to show you something. It's really, it, it's really something powerful to look at. And really, it ought to be a challenge to us as well to know our stuff. And I, and I talked about this somewhat in our class, in our excuse me, in our, our service here yesterday in Daytona Beach. And if you weren't here with us live, which most of you probably weren't, you can actually go to uh, that same player, and it's a, it's called uh, Therefore There Is a Rest. And you, you can you can find that, and you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. It's really just the, the rest that we have is going to be in the Word of God and knowing the Word of God uh, in a much deeper way. But look at the context of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Here's what he said. And it says, Moses came and spoke the words of, uh, of the song in the ears of the people. He and Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua, the son of Nun. 
And Moses uh, made an end to speaking all these words to Israel. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I do testify among you this day, which you shall command your children to observe to do all the words of the law. Okay, so he's setting them up. Him and Joshua uh, are, are, are given this word, and they're telling them, Listen, you need to observe all these things. And he said to them, Set your hearts unto the words which I do testify among you this day, which you, shall be, which you shall command your children to observe and to do all the words of the law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. And throw this thing, you shall be prolong your days in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. And it says in verse 48, it says, The Lord spoke unto Moses the selfsame day, saying, Go up to the mountain of uh, Abram, unto Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. And behold, the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for possession. In other words, he's telling me, I want you to go in this elevated place on this mountain. I want you to look out on the promised land. He said, not go in it, but I want you to go out and look at it. Then he says in verse 50, and he says, and die... In the mountain where you're going. And so he said, Moses, I want you to go up and take a look. And after you take a look, I want you to die. You're going to die there. Now, what type of... You think about, think about that just for a second. I want you to go look at, at, at where your, your, your people are going. And I want you to die. And he said, I want you to go up and die in that land. And be gathered unto your people. As Aaron your brother died in Mount Or and was gathered unto his people. Now, what about that type of uh, assignment? Now, what if God gave you an assignment? And the reason I bring that up is because, of, once again, the context. Again, rejoice all you just. You know, folks, whatever assignment God sends you on is going to have that same type of end to it. Now, I want you to go and I want you to see the promises, but I want you to die. Now, think about that. If any man desires to come after him, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, the instrument of his own demise, that which is going to kill you, and follow me. Folks, you'll never be able to follow God into the promises or see the promised land unless you're willing to lay down your life. And so when, when, when Paul speaks that, out of uh, again, rejoice you Gentiles and his people, the, the Jewish believers that have become Christian, boy, they know the context. They know the, the, the gravity of that. Can you imagine them whispering around to themselves when they read this letter, saying, you know, do you realize what he's saying? He's, he's, he's using quotation when Moses was told to go up and look at his promises, but they were going to cost him something. They were going to cost him his very life. Now look at this, and here's the reason. Verse 51, Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not sanctify me uh, in the midst of the children of Israel, as a result, you will not see the land before you. You will see the land before you, but you shall not go into it, the land which I have given to the children of Israel. Now think about that for a second, folks. He's telling, I want you to go take a look at it, but you're not going to walk in the, in the possession of that. Why? And you remember, people know what, what Moses did when he's going to go and draw water from the, the rock, that he didn't just strike the rock once, but he struck the rock two times. And what that did is that sent a message uh, to, the, to the children of Israel, a negative message concerning who God was and the covenant he'd made and the, the mouthpiece that he had. So the big lesson for us out of that as leaders, as in whatever capacity, whether you're a leader as a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher in your own family, whatever else, what, it, what that lesson right there should be in verses 51 and 52 of Deuteronomy 32, which Paul drew us into by that comment, Rejoicing Nations with His People, is how we as leaders should conduct ourselves and not allow our emotions to rule over us. Folks, I tell you what, something just as simple as losing your cool can cost you the promises of God. Really, something is, 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 as much as, as, as operating in emotion or getting caught up in temptation can cost you the fulfillment of everything that you've worked for all of your life. Just a quote-unquote, a moment of passion, a moment of, 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 of weakness, so to speak. Folks, listen, that's why it's so important in allowing ourselves to continuously to be upon the Word of God, to continuously to stay in prayer, to continuously keep our, our, our emotions and our thoughts and all those things in check. Because if we don't do that, what happens? The same thing does for that. You may get to look off, and God may give you a glimpse of it, but you will never see the fulfillment of that. Moses, a guy... Spoke to God face to face as a man spoke to his friend. Couldn't discount that. He, you, you, couldn't, uh, uh, you couldn't discount the, the privilege that he had and the meekness and the call that he had upon his life. But none of those things, none of those things whatsoever uh, 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 qualified him outside of the qualification God put upon him. And so when he lost his cool, so to speak, and did not provide that, 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 that sanctified example before the people, uh, it, it disqualified him from being able to enter the kingdom. So, folks, uh, from into, into the promised land. And so really I want to just encourage you to, to watch yourself. 
Watch how you react. Watch how you respond. Watch how you lose your cool. Watch how you you speak. And be mindful of, of just a person of Moses' character and of, of, of his stature that it cost him in that. And I, and I love that Paul brought that up in this point because we're, we're seeing all these things and how to deal with things. Then he, he drops this thing in here that really should speak to us as leaders. So now what Paul is saying here, he's saying the nations, the Gentiles, really what they should be doing is rejoicing at, 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 at such a covenant of grace and mercy because those who had not been given, who had been given, quote unquote, the, the responsibility to carry the first covenant, uh, didn't have it as easy as we do now. Folks, really, you, you look at those that have been called to the special forces uh, and, and had that, that, that responsibility under the law to do these things and to live such a consecrated life that, that was really a, a, a very uh, definitive thing in their life from what they touched, what they ate, everything about their life was really categorized within the concept of the law. And But we get such a new and a living way. You know, I, I was thinking about this as an example, and I think we talked about this a number of months ago. In the, in the military years ago, if you saw somebody with a beret on, that was special forces. I mean, you knew that that was a guy that had gone through special training. A couple, two, three years ago, I guess it was, the, the Army issued this thing. They started issuing just anybody. Everybody got a beret. And it caused an outcry within the Green Berets because they had, they had worked so hard and they had become identified with special training. And so as a result of it, they had to change up their beret in order to show us different, because all these servicemen that were coming in, they had, they had a beret. And they thought, well, it, it increased morale. These young guys coming in, they'll have a greater morale. And so they did. Do you know that? No, yeah. They, all these guys get, get a beret now. And so, but it's a different. They had to go back and change their philosophy on it because it's a different type of beret. So the Green Berets now have a special patch that, that signifies a difference. It wasn't just merely looking at the beret and saying, that's a Green Beret. And so uh, the guys coming up obviously say, hey, we, just, we get to be identified with something that we didn't pay the price for. But those that did pay the price said, oh, uh-oh, wait just a second. But folks, you know what we're like? We're just like those, those new servicemen that we walk into the kingdom and God immediately hands us a beret. We're thinking, man, what did I do to deserve this? Well, well nothing. Somebody else paved the way and it's identified and so now i come in and maybe i don't have all the skills or anything else but man god's given me a spiritual beret now people are going to look at me different they're going to treat me different why because of what somebody else did and that's exactly what's happened in the new covenant folks we get to reap the benefits of others that really had to undergo some specialized training in in their lives and and, and through going through the whole process and that's why I say all the time we really need to look at the look at the examples set before us in the old testament and the old covenant with what the Jews suffered and what they went through for us and that 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 groundwork that they that they did that provided such really an easy way for us folks really the easiest thing in the world is to be a christian it really is the easiest thing in the, in the world is to be a christian the hardest thing in the world is to be a, uh, a, what's a good way to put it, a false Christian, a false convert. That's what's tough. To be a Christian is so easy because once you really lay down your life and you cast all your burdens upon Him, man, the weight of the world is off of you. It really is easy. What's hard is trying to serve two masters. And that's what the majority of people who claim to be Christians do. They try to serve two masters. What they want to do is they want to deal with all the things in the flesh, but then they want this sugar daddy Jesus over here in the spirit to be able to, to lean on as well. And so they're, they're walking like this. And what it becomes, it becomes this battle inside of you. And so, But if you just cast them all upon him, then you can begin to rest in the Word of God. There's the rest that we have in Him according to Hebrews chapter 4. We have a, a rest when we're totally in Him. Now the tough thing is, is trying to serve two masters. There's always this tearing. So really the, the easiest process when He comes to us, He says, you know what, cast your cares upon me, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Oh, I know that you have need of things. And so if you just seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. Now, does that mean that you won't suffer persecution? You, absolutely. But you know what? The persecution becomes easy. The tribulations and the trials become easy. Why? Because there's, when you're walking in a genuine relationship with Jesus, He's with you through all the trials, through all the tribulations, through all the difficulties. He's right there. And you, what you do is you see a greater picture. You see the end from the beginning. You realize that He's not just the author, but He's the finisher of your faith. And what happens, there becomes a, a willingness to go through those things. And, and really, when you're facing trials and tribulations and trouble, you, you really kind of snicker inside of you. Because you know what the end's going to be. 
You know, I know for myself, man, do I go through things and have to pray and believe God every... Absolutely, I sure do. But you know what? I know what the end result's going to be. God is always going to take care of me. God is going to see me through. God is going to give me the victory. One day I'm going to behold His face. face to me. I, I know all that. And so, really, what am I sweating? It's easy. It's easy to trust God because even if I had to suffer another 50 years of my life as a result, but the result is going to be that I'm going to forever be with the Lord... What is so hard about that? I get to spend eons and eternity with the King of Kings and, and be there with Jesus. So that's easy. What's tough is not doing that and knowing that the only thing waiting for me is a certain fiery indignation and, and judgment that awaits me on the, on, the day of, on the day of judgment because of my rebellion. So folks, listen, we, we've got it easy because of the, the framework and the, the, the groundwork that was laid for us that we get to. We talked about this morning. We get to, we get to reap where we have not sown. I never sowed my blood. I never sowed my life. But I get to reap of the benefits of what Jesus did for me and reap of the, the things and the covenant promises and the things that came forth out of this of the Jews. And so if the ultimate judgment upon those of the old covenant was, was so demanding under the law, can you imagine, though, what it will be like for those who stand on the day of judgment having rebelled against the grace and mercy of the new covenant? Can you imagine that? I mean, here's Moses is. Moses is a man that, that walked in meekness, spoke to God, and because of one fit of rage, it kept him from entering into the promised land. Think about that. Under the law. But, and, and that was under something that was so hard, and he just did just that, the thing that we would say was so small, and we'd say, oh, you know what, he didn't really mean that, and he's a good guy most of the time, and so let's just let it pass. It doesn't pass. And so we're, we're going to stand before him even under grace and mercy, and it says that we're going to give an account for every even idle word that we speak. Now, folks, under grace and mercy, we have the ability to overcome. We, we really do. There's an ability to overcome that we ought to be rejoicing as the, 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 the Gentiles, that people, according to Romans 10, uh, 15, 10, and 11. And, and we ought to. There is a strength. There is an ability. When he says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus with strength, we, we can do. When he says that his grace is sufficient, it really is sufficient. It's when we stop appropriating the efficiency, the sufficiency that we become inefficient in our, our walking out our relationship with God. And so if we're really reading the word, we're praying, and we're seeking his face, and we're walking in obedience, I guarantee you, and I want, I want to guarantee you this morning as I teach this, if you will genuinely do the things that God's told you to do, you will not walk in stress. You will not walk in, in discontentment. You will not walk in a heaviness. What you're going to walk in is you're going to victory. Why? Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so, folks, we got it. But if you don't, and you've been presented the, the, the righteousness of God under this new covenant, I tell you what, uh, you're going to be in for a, a, a very serious time when you have to stand before the King of Kings and say, listen, as easy as I had it, you handed me the green beret, so to speak, and I still rejected you. You handed me grace and mercy. You handed me power. You handed me all these things that, that I did not uh, have to do myself, and still yet I could not walk in victory over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Folks, listen, it's tough, isn't it? But at the same time, man, there's a victory in it. You can have victory. What I love about Paul the Apostle is, is, is really that, that whole very well-rounded approach to all of his teaching. Because he does. He brings the whole picture together. And he shows you, listen, it just isn't uh, the whole message. And he, and he shows you the, 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 whole, uh, the whole covenant's coming together. And it really shows that the message of the cross uh, didn't begin when there was a child born of a virgin there in, in the city of David, Bethlehem, and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger. Folks, it didn't begin there. It began years and years and years earlier as he began to lay the groundwork for that. And so Romans 10, uh, 15, 10, 11. And again, he said, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people, all those nations that did not know him. And again, praise, ye, uh, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye uh, people. And, and really, verse 10 is, is derived uh, uh, from uh, Psalms 117 and 1. 117 and 1. And I want you to look at something. It consists of two verses. Check this out. Psalms 117, which is only two verses of Scripture. That's a short psalm, isn't it? It's not like the 119th psalm. He says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Right? Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all people. For His merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise ye the Lord. Now, now think about this for just a second. In relationship to... To another passage that Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Here's what he said. He said, all scripture. If, we, if you were in my live studio, I'd say, somebody say all. all. So 
So somebody did say all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So what is the goal of the scripture? When, when we read again, he says, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And when he says again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him. What, what's that for? That's to instruct us in righteousness. So I've got to think to myself, if all Scripture is, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and for the instruction in righteousness, God, what is the righteousness I need to derive from that? Then he goes on to say in 2 Timothy three seventeen that the man of God may be perfect, may be what? Perfect. How many times do you hear people say, we're not perfect, we're just forgiven? Yeah. But the, when, we're, when we study the Word of God, there is that perfection. Does that mean that you never stumble, you never fall? No, it means that there's a maturity, there's a perfection that comes into your life. And that you know that even when you do stumble, that immediately you're right back up. And so you're not, you're not wallowing in sin and you're not becoming a, uh, 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 committed to sin. You're not uh, uh, somebody that is, uh, uh, continues to walk back into those things. And so the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so what's interesting about that, here you go, Paul. He, he's preaching this tremendous word that we've already got 190 classes out of. And we're just scratching the surface of what he's trying to teach in these 16 chapters. Then all of a sudden he quotes from the 117th Psalm. Two little verses of Scripture that I'm sure if, as you guys read through the Psalms, you'll hit that and you'll move on because, man, you're waiting on something better. You're waiting on something that, that man, I remember that chorus that I sung on this other Psalm. But it, it's right there sandwiched between all these other ones. And all of a sudden, oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise Him, all you people. For His merciful kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord endures forever. What's amazing to me about that is Paul knew his words so well that he could quote from the 117th Psalm rather than just the 119th Psalm or the 51st Psalm or the 23rd Psalm or the 22nd Psalm. All these Psalms that we, we know and we memorized from the time they were a kid. And so this little obscure two-verse psalm, really amongst those that are so quoted and memorable, was still important enough to be recalled and applied so that we could better understand the covenant that we have with Jesus. Now think about that for a second. It shows the value of the Word of God. And folks, listen, I cannot underscore it enough. I say it so much. You've got to know your Word. You've got to study the Word of God. Even those things that seem so little, that seem like just two little uh, uh, repetitive verses in the in 117th Psalm sandwich between all these other glorious ones that we make praise songs and choruses from and we quote from and we look to and we're talking about our strong tower and our help and have mercy upon me, O God. And, and you know, uh, 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 as I walk through the shadow of death and all these things that we love to quote from the psalm and all of a sudden he drops this in there. Why? Because he wants to instruct us in righteousness. Now think about what that says. So I want to look and say, if, he, if Paul, with all those choices to quote from and to bring it to remember, what is he saying right here? And folks, what that, that, that little verse says, it's the same people who cursed him would soon be the people who praised him. Praise the Lord, all you nations, praise him, all you people. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you heathen, praise him, all you people. And so right there in the midst of all these glorious praises and, and, and writings of, of David and Asaph and all these psalms, what happens? He's showing that, hey, all these people that are, that are mocking us for our worship of our God, one day they're going to be the ones that are the ones praising Him. They're going to be the ones that are rejoicing. They're going to be the ones that are lifting Him up. And, and if the Jews, folks, I, I love to think about this. If the Jews had been listening to the, to the psalms of their own people, and their own prophets, I mean, they would have never have been surprised when the covenant was extended to the Gentiles. They, they never would have. Why? Because their own prophets repeated it time and time again with the songs that they sung from their own lips. And you know what? I think what probably happened is when they began to sing songs in, in their limited understanding uh, prior to the cross, they, they probably thought it as a derogatory thing. Well, yeah, they're going to praise Him, alright. He's going to fix them. You're going to, you're, he's going to get them. They're going to have to bow their knee. Well, they didn't know that it was going to be a, a thing to come under the, the, the context of grace and mercy and the, through a relationship with him. And so it was predicted so many times to them. And so it's so powerful. Now think about this just for a second. He goes on to say in, in Romans fifteen twelve, and he says, And again, Isaiah said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise uh, will rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. And so what does he say? Here he is being well-rounded again. He says, And who says? Isaiah says. Well, where does he say that? He says it in Isaiah 11.10. So let's look at Isaiah 11.10 and we'll see what he said in the context of it. He says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse. And he'll stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him. 
and his resting place shall be glorious. Folks, isn't it amazing how they... How, how, you think about Peter and some of the conflict that he had with Paul over the Gentiles coming in. But that was throughout all their writings. That it is going to come to the Gentiles. It's not just going to be about you guys. But think about how the church... Let's, let's parallel just what he's teaching there in, in Romans and obviously as he quotes from Isaiah. How that really parallels to the modern church. The, the modern church... It's almost in their actions. They are just as angry over the world receiving the gospel as the Jews were of the world receiving the message of the Messiah. Why why do I say that? It's because of their actions. You you think about it. Statistics prove that that nearly, I think, 95% of people who quote-unquote call themselves Christian never tell a lost person or have never won somebody to Jesus himself. And so what are they doing? They're not allowing the, the, that, that word to be uh, go out into all the world. They have nullified the Great Commission in their own lives. And so they've said it's not important enough. We don't want anybody else to know it. Now, if they happen by or they clean themselves up or they act right and they want to come and be a part of our fellowship and give tithe and offering and, 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 and have a nice little nuclear family, we, we love those type of people. But they're, they're not actively extending that covenant through their actions. And that's the, the problem with the church. It becomes so inward. It becomes within the, the, the confines of the four walls of the brick and mortar. And the gospel was never meant for that. It wasn't meant for that in, 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 in Deuteronomy. It wasn't meant for that in Romans. It wasn't meant for that in the book of Isaiah or the book of Mark or throughout the whole covenants. And so he said, There shall in that day be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glory, uh, glorious. In verse 11 of Isaiah 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. Now haven't we talked about that remnant? Who are left from where? Assyria and Egypt. From Pathros and Cush and Elam and Shinar and Hamath and the islands of the sea. In other words, I want to pull people from all these other places. This is not going to be from Jerusalem. This is not going to be this place. It's going to be in India. It's going to be in Pakistan. It's going to be in Africa. It's going to be in Canada. It's going to be in Mexico. It's going to be in Central and in South America. It's going to be in, in, in Asia. It's going to be in, 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 in Russia. It's going to, it's going to be in, in England. You see what I'm saying? He's extending. It's going to be in Australia. It's going to be in all these places. He's saying, I'm going to extend that covenant to all them. And he will set up a banner for the nations, for all people. And they will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And the envy of Ephraim shall depart. And the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not, therefore, envy Judah. And Judah will no longer harass Ephraim. And so what's he saying? It's a, it's a prophecy, uh, really prophesying the incalling of all nations to a side. Regardless if you called yourself Jew or Gentile, regardless if you called yourself uh, black, white, uh, uh, Asian, whether you called yourself Hispanic, whatever it is, he's saying there's going to be an incalling under that name of Jesus, which is going to come from the root of Jesse. And that root of Jesse obviously referred to David, whom the prophet Samuel would go in and anoint as the king of Israel following the rejection of, of King Saul. And, and you see that in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And, and what's interesting about that is he talks about that root of, of Jesse's. So he, he's bringing forth this king in, in, in David. And, and I, love, I love how he chose him. You know, he goes in, Samuel goes into the house of Jesse, and he's looking for this king. And so what does he do? He does what we all do. He looks for those that, that look the part. And so he goes through all the brothers, starts with, with Eliab, and Eliab's the oldest, and he's handsome, and he's a, he's a warrior, and he's got to be it, but it didn't work. And so he goes on through, and, and he, he exhausts all the sons that are there present with him, and he says, don't you have anybody else? Well, i got another boy, but you know what? He's just a kid, and he's out there just working, and he's not much to look at. Well, bring him in. That was David. Folks, listen, think about you and your life. We need to start rejoicing as Gentiles, as a people, because we weren't the first choice. I wasn't the first choice. I remember one time being on a job site with my with three of my older brothers. I have three older brothers, and uh, I had already entered. I was doing ministry, and but I was helping them on a on a construction job because my family was was raised up. That's how my dad uh, made it was his trade. And so we were there, and they began to just mock me and make fun of me, whatever, like like older brothers want to do. But uh, I was way past all that. You know what? I'd forgotten who I was, and I was serving Jesus and preaching the gospel. And I didn't want to, I wasn't there to talk about what I did at 14 or 15 years old. I wasn't there to talk about our rebellion and, and, and partying. Or, I, that wasn't what I was there for. I was, that, that, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so I stood up right there on the back of a sawhorse and began to preach to my three brothers and called them all out. And I said, the, the problem is, guys, I said, listen, I wasn't the first choice. I said, but you guys weren't bold enough and weren't willing to serve Jesus enough to answer the call to preach the gospel in your own lives. I said, but I'm going to pray and believe that it's going to happen. And I believe one by one it is happening uh, in their lives. But folks, listen, 
none of us were the first choice. We can look and we can see that we are, we, to most people we were an afterthought. But God in His grace and mercy come and sought us out and allows us through the Spirit of God to do great exploits for the kingdom of heaven. And so don't think that you're second rate or, or anything else because in that covenant being extended, even those that seem to be the second choice and later, what happened? God accelerates us to that place of position in Him. And so we have that benefit. Why? Because of this promise that we came and we become part of that product of that root of Jesse. And he came to reign over us, and we get to reap the benefits of that in him. And so uh, that, that day, what's interesting to me about that, Deb, is that you know he came into the house of Jesse to, to find a king. But he didn't bring a crown with him. You know, we're always looking for the crown. He came and brought a horn of oil. And he came to bring the spirits dealing. And that's really what that horn of oil was. It was, the, it was the convicting. He wanted to bring a deep conviction into the life of David before he ever put him in position. And so, folks, I want to say this to you in, in, confine, in, in context to, to what we're talking today. You know, until that you understand and you begin to rejoice in what Jesus has done for you, you're never going to be able to do anything for him. You're really not. Uh, you, you've got to come to that place knowing that when he showed up that day for you, that he brought with him a horn of oil. He brought with him the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, that conviction. And if you, if you walk in that conviction, if you walk in that righteousness, it will then be followed by a crown. And the crown is the Spirit's work. The, 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 the horn of oil is the Spirit's dealing. The, the crown is the Spirit's work, which is salvation. And so we can come, and what happens many times is people come and want to bring the crown without the oil. I see people in churches. I see pastors in pulpits. They want to offer the crown without the oil. And that will preach there right itself. You know, they want to say, come and pray this prayer and you'll be saved with no conviction. There's no horn of oil. They say, you know what, just if you'll say these, these little words that you believe that Jesus died and you can go on about it provides a why. It's a crown without the oil. Folks, that's why, 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 uh, why Samuel had to come in and provide the oil first. He wanted to make sure that this young man's life was prepared to win the crown, to wear that crown. Now think about this, for instance. James 1.12. James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now, what was David called? David was called a man after God's own heart. He was called a man that loved God. Now, did he have to endure much temptation? Absolutely he did. Throughout that preparation process coming up to receiving that crown, it was right down to the temptation of, of taking uh, it into his own hands and killing King Saul and, 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 and taking the throne away from him in that manner. He had to endure those things, but he didn't do them. And because he endured, what did he do? He received a crown. He received the crown of Israel. But ultimately, folks, if we'll do that and we'll be patient in things God's called us to, we'll receive the crown of life. But you can't have a crown without the oil. We, we can't put it on and say, well, God, I want a position or whatever without allowing the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Now think about a Revelation 3.11. Revelation 3.11 says this. He says, Behold, I come quickly. And he said, Hold that fast which you have and let no one take your crown. Folks, listen. Folks are going to be out to grab at your crown. They're going to be grab, grabbing at your testimony. They're going to grab at your witness. They're going to grab at your responsibility. And that's really what a crown is. Crown is, is, is just a, 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 a thing that identifies your responsibility. If somebody's got a crown, there's an expectancy that you have in them. You, you expect that person to walk in a nobility. And you know, think about that in relationships to Acts 17.11. The Brins were more noble. What do we call people that are of a kingly line? We call them nobles. We call them nobility. And folks, if we want to walk in that kingly line of Christ Jesus and we want to be those that are participants of that, that root of Jesse and, 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 that, and that, that, that throne of David, we've got to walk in that spiritual nobility. And so not only that, but they, that even within that, 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 that wearing a crown, it, it means that we lead armies, that we're leaders, that there's an expectancy, that we may bring provision and we bring safety. Folks, that's got to be the, the uh, testimony of every believer in the kingdom. We've got to say, you know what? He came with a, cra- with a, with a, with a, with a horn of oil and he convicted me. He brought me to that place of repentance and reliance upon him. Now I'm wearing the crown of responsibility. And just as Revelation 3.11, listen, he's coming quickly. Hold fast. Somebody say, hold fast. Hold fast to that which you have and do not let anyone take your crown. Do not let anyone take your, your, your testimony. Do not let anyone take your joy. Don't anyone take your, your peace. Don't anyone take your, your rest. And then he goes and says, and he will rise to reign over the Gentiles. That's what he said there in, 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 in uh, Romans fifteen twelve. And so what does that prove? What's Paul trying to say there? Okay, he's saying rejoice. He said rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. 
And praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And lot him, you, you people. And again, Isaiah said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise will reign over the, the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles will trust. Now, I want to give you these four little quick things that, that that proves out. Number one, this proves the prediction of a Messiah that the coming of the Lord would be through the lineage of David. How does it prove it? Because that's exactly what happened. And so what he's doing, he's saying, listen, it was proven out. I prophesied it uh, 600 years prior to it happening. It was going to come through that root. It's going to be made manifest. Isaiah the prophet said it. You're going to hold fast. And what happened? It came through that lineage. So it proved out that one thing. The second thing that it proved is that the Jews and Gentiles would one day come together and take their roles in his kingdom side by side. Now, that hasn't happened yet, has it? But you know what it does? It awaits us. That's the promise that we have in Him. That there is a coming promise. That the Jews were that covenant people. They were His chosen people. But we are the bride of Christ. And one day what we're going to see is we're going to see just how much that, how the harmony of what that was meant to be and how that's going to function in the kingdom. We're going to be, we're going to be the, 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 the bride of Christ. We're the ones that have taken on that responsibility of the people of God. And so it's going to be a really an awesome sign. The third thing that it shows is that the Gentiles would look to Him and trust Him. Now, has that ever happened? Yes. The Gentiles did look to him and trust him. And I'm going to go back to that in a second. I'll give you the fourth thing. And it says this predicts the king will ultimately reign over all the earth. And he's going to do that one day. And it says the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God. But, but think about this. The, the Gentiles are going to trust him. That's what it says in the final part of, of verse 12 of Romans 15. It says in the Gentiles shall trust him. Folks, how did the, how did the church begin? Who did it begin with? Anybody have an answer for that? No, the church didn't begin with Adam and Eve. The church. Who did the church begin with? It began with 120 people in an upper room, right? What kind of people were they? Specifically, they were Jews. They were Jewish people. There were no Gentiles in that. Now think about this. At the beginning, and I'm going to show you how that prophecy came to pass and what he's saying right here in Romans 15:12. And the Gentiles shall trust him. Think about something really interesting. The church started out almost exclusively Jews. Did it not? That's who they were. That's who Paul was. That's who Peter was. That's who the disciples were. They were all Jews. But think about it today. The church of today is almost exclusively Gentile. Isn't that amazing? A church that started out almost completely Jewish, from Jewish people, now is almost exclusively Gentiles. Do you have Jews that have come to Christ? You do. But in percentage-wise, most of the people that are Christians today, that are followers of Christ, who came as the Jewish Messiah, are Gentiles. Now what's significant about that? Because that's what he said it would happen. He said they shall, he will rise to reign over the Gentiles and whom the Gentiles shall trust. See, to me, that may not be as heavy to you guys, but it is to me. Because you begin to see how all that things began to unfold. People who were not a people became a people. And so we, we now what we've done is we've assumed the role that they had. And one day, the good news is, there's going to be a 70th week of Daniel. There's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. And they're going to be brought back into that covenant. But think about something that happens as we begin to wane. They waned in the responsibility. And the responsibility was picked up by another people. And so the church has became almost exclusively Gentile. But now think about it. The church that claims the church has now suffered the same problem that the Jews did. They, they talk a good game, but they don't walk it out. Folks, really, that ought to cause us to draw nigh to him more and more every single day to look at our responsibility and what can happen if we do not hold fast our profession of faith and we allow our crown to be stolen. We allow that, that thing, that, 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 that responsibility God's placed upon our life as this, quote-unquote, special forces of the new covenant to happen. Then he, then he says, and, and, and now the God, the God of hope, in verse 13, uh, will fill you with all joy and peace, Believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, listen. What that ought to do is fill you with all joy. It ought to fill you with hope. It ought to fill you with goodness. It ought to cause you to abound. Why? Because through the power of the Holy Spirit has came upon us. Now, folks, the Jews did not have that benefit. The Spirit would just rest upon them. They had a covenant. They had a book. They had the law. But you know what we have? We can abound in hope in the promises of God. Because Acts 1 and 8 told us, told those Jewish people that were waiting in that upper room. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be that witness. You will be that martos. Now, what's significant about that, obviously, many of those, all, the, all, uh, you know, all but one John of the, of the apostles were martyred. Or martos became witnesses. Others weren't martyred that he, he gave that promise to. 
<clears throat> and even though it does happen in the natural, folks, what he's talking about in the spiritual realm, you shall become one that dies to yourself. You'll have the power to die to yourself. Now, a lot of people say, I can't do this because that's not my personality. But we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we'll be able to sacrifice ourselves. We'll be able to say, you know what? In my flesh dwells no good thing. But by the Spirit of God, I'm capable. That There's a capability that I can preach the gospel, that I can witness to people, that I can walk in righteousness, that I can walk in holiness. Why? Because that is the benefits of the covenant. I'm going to rejoice, O nations. I'm going to rejoice as, as Deuteronomy prophesied I would. I'm going to rejoice as Isaiah said that I would. Why? Because there's a promise and an empowerment for me that comes through the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have. And we see in 1 Thessalonians 1.5 that our gospel is not in word only, but it is in power. It's still in that dunamis. It's in that miracle working power uh, that, that you might know what manner of men that we are. That you might know that we've been set, aside, set apart and consecrated and able to admonish one another. Folks, listen, when, when, when somebody comes to you, it's, you know, an admonishment is the building up. It's a, it's a, it's a strong... Uh, uh, speaking to you to say, come on, we've got to get with it. We've got to do more. We've got to be strong. We've got to be encouraged. It's kind of like soldiers admonishing and, 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 and correcting problems on the battlefield. Say, come on, there's a battle to be won. We can't cower. Uh, anybody that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. And we've got to admonish one another. We've got to say, come on, that's not right. We've got to, we've got to strengthen this area. I'm going to be a strength to you. You've got a limp on that side? Well, I'm going to be a strength on that side. And so that's what happens when we begin to grab a hold of the responsibility of the rejoicing within the confines of that covenant. In verse 15, he said, Nevertheless, I love all the neverthelesses. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written that the, the, the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. And so he, he's saying in verse 15, and really that brings it to bear what I talked about earlier in the class. You know, there, there's got to be a boldness to speak because of the grace. Now Moses, what he did was not even under grace, but look at the, look at the consequences of it. He didn't get to enter in. Folks, can you imagine what's going to happen, once again, if we do not fulfill and be obedient to what God's told us to do under the grace of God? So I admonish you today to be obedient. If God's told you to do something, do it. If God spoke to you to say something, say it. If God's calling uh, you to repent from a sin that's been in your life, just repent from that sin that's been in your life and don't do it. And, and begin to walk in the fullness of the call and the covenant that God has upon you. Folks, we're totally out of time today, but we're gonna, we'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, for another installment of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And I, I encourage you, look into that. Look, Begin to read those chapters, especially those ones, those references I gave you, what Paul was, was preaching at. And take some time. Uh, a lot of you guys are, are real good New Testament readers. Go back and look. Go back and look what God told them to do that they didn't do, and it caused the consequences of, of that covenant being passed on to the Gentiles. And see, say, ask yourself the question, am I making the same mistakes that they did back then? And I believe God's going to begin to show you and to reveal some things to you in power. Folks, like I said, we're out of town today, uh, but we will be back tomorrow for another installment of the Raven Institute. If you missed out on any of these teachings, you can actually go to our website, www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and you can download those, click on Raven Institute, and you can download those and listen to them right there on the computer in MP3 format. But i got one bit of advice for you that I do every day. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.